All right. Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Ash. And we have a special guest tonight. Kate's back. Hi, Kate. Hey. Hey, guys. How you What's doing? Up? Welcome back. I How- am good. How long has it been? Do we even know? At least a year. I feel like I talked to you guys last year at PAX, and it's getting close to PAX time. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Oh, jeez. It has been yeah, a year. It doesn't feel like it's been a year, PAX but it also be... feels like it's been 4,000 years. Yes. So. <laughs> Both at the same time. We were just talking about that today, that, like, the past since March feels like both instant and never ending. Yeah. So yeah, ne- next week presence. would be PAX, huh? Next week would be, oh, so sad. sad. Would it be next week? Oh, God. I think it would be. I know that there's a uh, bunch of panels, people, little insider information. All the PAX panels are pre-recorded now, so everyone that has a panel is, like, recording them and submitting them. Yeah. And I think they just gussied them up and released them. So that's that's how they're Ooh. doing it this year, which doesn't feel like a thing, but I guess what else can you do, you know? I mean, it's better than, like, risking live oh yeah it was ballsy of comic-con to do all live panels like that's that's a bit that's a lot yeah it's crazy (laughs) it's totally crazy it is totally crazy so uh i'll do scott's part i guess i don't Uh, think i said the episode this is episode number 357 it is of the rated na podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com yeah yeah. (laughs) we always forget that part anyway you do scott's part Scott's part. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? Thanks for listening. Great. <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about uh, some new stuff this week about how expensive phones with Fortnite are going for right now, which is a silly thing that I can't believe I'm saying. Uh, there is currently a contest to get your brand into uh, Fall Guys, which we'll talk about for a few minutes. Uh, Thundercats, the old Thundercats from the 80s, is now on Hulu as of today. So we'll talk quickly about that. Matt's going to talk about Magic the Gathering doing something cool, mm-hmm. is hopefully magical. Uh, and LA is going to build a Stranger Things drive-in experience, which I'm I'm Whoa. all about going to the drive-in, but there are none around me, so I'm kind of bummed about that. Oh, I went to a drive-in like two weeks ago. Oh, Did you? you yeah, can it was really that. fun. What did you see? Sick. Uh, Monty Python. Oh, oh wonderful. So yeah. wonderful. Very fun. Yeah, it was very fun. Uh, in the review section, I'm going to uh, review Rogue Legacy 2, which came out today on Steam in early access. Uh, Matt's going to talk about high score, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Hearthstone, uh, the Scholomance. Sh- shkola- <laughs> I don't know how to say that. How are you supposed this. to say that? Scholomance? Scholomance? Scholomance Academy expansion came out. None of it uh, feels right. That's a week or two ago. <laughs> it's really good, and we'll talk about that. And other than that, we're just going to hang out. And and talk to Kate. I want to let's catch up with Kate for a minute. Yeah, this has been a year. Kate, how are you doing? Ooh, big question. Uh, alternately good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> alternately good and bad. I have to yeah. ask you this: since you won a Nebula Award, ooh, do you get a physical award? Yeah, a th- I did a thing. What does it look I like? I did. It's a it's a lucite statue. So that's just like a really heavy oh, wow. like plastic, I guess. But it's it's like a big square column i guess it's a long rectangle (laughs) uh with (laughs) with like planets and a a little sand galaxy suspended in it like the coolest thing so you won award where you actually get a physical award which is unbelievable congratulations thank you it was ridiculous it was truly uh, truly a shock i did not write an acceptance speech until like perhaps 20 minutes before they announced our award and my agent was like what are you doing you have to write an acceptance speech i'm like we're up against outer wilds and disco elysium it's like not even a contest don't worry about it he's like just do it and you'll thank me later oh shit that's so fantastic well deserved that's unbelievable that's a, a huge deal um that's exciting so like what was the sort of the vibe on the team like when you guys all got that information did you guys lose your minds and i i got to meet the team last year at yeah. axe and everyone is so incredibly cool and sweet Such a nice it was group so, of people so nice to meet everybody and yeah. so wildly talented so what was the sort of how did you guys all react i think people were taken pretty off guard and honestly we're very very excited you know a lot of us are um 
obviously longtime gamers, but also writers of like, you know, long form science fiction and fantasy or short stories. So a lot of us are really enmeshed in in that particular part of the science fiction fantasy community where winning a nebula is a really big deal. It's maybe less of a big deal to uh, strictly game people, but for book people, it's huge. So um, those of us enmeshed in book world were like, really really delighted and shocked yeah. i mean I think it's everyone like else it's like an present. oscar i mean it's the equivalent of an oscar for science fiction writing it is a very big deal yeah yeah it was it was very very exciting um the second year of this award for game writing too my husband's yelling in the background i'm sorry <laughs> what's he playing what's he playing he's he's doing a um he's part of an anime club <laughs> and his anime club is streaming hunter x hunter uh or hunter hunt i don't know how people say it i, I don't can't know tell you the last time i was so involved in a show that i yelled at the screen so it must be pretty damn good yeah <laughs> normally i sit there with this the scowl like sinking in my chair <laughs> they so get really into anime. we love your husband so it's totally fine. yeah it's yeah so, it's so, well, well congratulations again get to, <laughs> are you allowed to say what you're working on now um it's an unannounced game so i can't say what it is yeah cool. yeah, yeah working on a book too though aren't you currently or no i am i've been yeah. working on a book for quite a while <laughs> fortunately <laughs> unfortunately i was telling ash um the last time we talked about it was at pax and that's yeah. when i had gotten an edit letter from my agent that was like here's all the stuff you need to fix which basically amounted to rewriting the book and i realized today that it's been almost a year since i've been rewriting my book wow. and that is a long long time to be doing it the is. same thing <laughs> <laughs> But it's, well, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Do you still, I was going to say, do you still feel like when you're that deep in a project, do you still feel immersed in the world that you built when you're working on it? You know, like, do you still feel, is are you just like in edit mode now where you're not really, you know, growing that stuff or do you still feel right. like you're like building and piecing and puzzling all, everything together? I feel like I'm still building and piecing and puzzling. Um, I had to do such a sort of tremendous amount of rework that um, I sort of had to reimagine a lot of the world building elements and the story stuff and how they all fit together. So wow. I still feel very like submerged in the ocean of this, the story in this world. And it's really fun to sort of make that my life. It's the thing that I think about when I'm not thinking about work and it's like another place that I can go. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah. It's good that Love you it. still are passionate about it after working on it for so long. Cause a lot of times writers just really burn out and they, they end up hating their own stuff so much that they can't even look at it after a while. Uh, so I have it's cool felt that like still, that. Yeah, it comes, it's... honestly, it comes and goes. And I feel like I get more burned out on game stuff, honestly, because I have less control over my work. So, you know, sometimes I do get really burned out on game stuff. And I'm like, I don't yeah. want to look at this well, ever and sometimes again. The, the games deadlines are, bonkers too like yeah if they're right i just remember some of the writers i've worked with being like i have to write like x amount in the next week and i don't know how i'm going to do it and they just stay there you know at the studio the whole week <laughs> just yeah. writing and like going crazy so it's it can be very challenging but it can be gnarly yeah yeah what well, uh what are you reading right now oh my gosh well i don't know if you guys are familiar with a book series called the masquerade by Seth Dickinson. Um, the no. first book is called The Traitor Baru Cormorant. And I think I've even mentioned it on the pod before. Oh, really? um, the third book just came out. I think maybe your listeners might know Seth from, um, he wrote a lot of the lore books for Destiny 1 and 2, okay. um, specifically the Books of Sorrow, which is like a, a novella length work, um, really well thought of, just a tremendous piece of you know, science fiction writing. Um, so this is his his personal novel series, and the third book just came out. Um, oh, cool. I'm not that far into it, but it's it's really good so far. Very oh, excited. And, and you you're a Destiny fan, so is that how you connected with the book series and the author? Yeah, yeah. I, I originally knew Seth's work from um, from Destiny. That's awesome. And when I, and short fiction, honestly, um, he's published a ton of short fiction. So when I found out he had a book coming out, I was hyped, and I'm still hyped. There's a lot like of it. really fantastic authors that are attached to um, sort of expanding the universe of games. And I've read a lot of like when I get really I'll read like Bioshock books and Gears of War books just because I like I love the universes so much. I'll read all of them. Oh, so totally. It's, it's yeah. great. It's great to see that those the quality of those books is seems to be improving, especially over the past decade since we've been doing this show. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys read the Dragon Age tie-in novels? I did. I read all of them. I did too. For, except for maybe maybe the newest one I didn't read. The short read, story collection. I yeah, haven't read that either. That's the one I haven't read, but I read all the rest and 
and they were they were really good. They made yeah. Me... Well, Patrick Weeks is like a tremendous writer, and David's oh. also really good. So. Yeah, Patrick yeah. is great. We love Patrick. Patrick, yeah. if you still listen to the show, we love you. We do love Patrick. Yeah. Hi, Patrick. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, that stuff's great. You guys want to do some news? News. Sure. Let's keep it silly. Um, Let's get into it. So, okay. So the game that's sort of uh, the new hotness right now is Fall Guys. It kind of came out of nowhere. I think, honestly, I think I played this at PAX, an early build of it, like two years ago. I remember reviewing it like two years ago, like a one level. And I was like, this game's going to be super fun when it comes out. And lo and behold, it is uh, blowing up and doing very well. It's a silly uh, sort of physics wrestling uh american gladiators <laughs> i guess <laughs> the best way to describe it like uh, obstacle course um really great for streaming really great for um you know sort of the last man standing survival type of lovers but what they're doing right now is they had so many brands approach them that wanted to add a skin to their game that instead of just like saying yeah we would love for like nike to have a, a fall guy skin or like kentucky fried chicken i mean these are like all real brands that wanted to be oh, part, part of it like all people are like we're gonna give you money like put it's a nike nascar of video games yeah, yeah why not? so they said like <laughs> hold on a minute let's uh make it sort of an auction for charity so they linked up with a charity called special effect which is uh it's a charity based out of the uk that helps kids with disabilities play games and helps them improve their quality of life really awesome charity um and they're having the bands, the bands, the the brands bid to see which brand is going to be added to uh, Fall Guys. So they didn't know, you know, how this was going to go, but the the Warframe guys who I worked with in the past, who are really sweet, their first bid was twenty thousand uh, dollars to have a Warframe skin in in the game, and from there it has blown up. I think it's at like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars now. And like huge Whoa. brands have have tried to jump on there, and it's still going up. And is it one hundred thirty? G two esports, e an esports company. So there we go. Yeah. I don't know if it's still going up, but I think this is fantastic. It's a great way to to really control, um, you know, what gets added to your IP, but also it's a great way to raise a ton of money for charity and a ton of publicity for that charity because you have all these goofy podcasts and websites that are now, you know having news stories about this because it's such a different way to go about raising money in such a positive way. So hats off to the, the fall guys team for coming up with something really cool. Um, and, and, you know, all these different brands are clamoring to be a part of their game, which is just crazy in the first place. Yeah. Good for them. I'm glad they're going to yeah. donate the money that they raise. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, from what I understand, they're a pretty small team too. So I'm sure they could probably use the, well, I guess it's selling well enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> they might be doing pretty good. Yeah. 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 Pretty, probably don't need the 120 K, but, but it's pretty cool. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's the, there is the dark side of video gaming, and that is, uh, you guys have probably heard that Fortnite has been uh, wiped from the Apple Store and from Google Play as well now, uh, due to some issues with Epic selling uh, their V-Bucks inside the game and not through the store, which means that they were sort of uh, trying to bypass um, the the Apple I guess Apple takes what is it thirty percent or thirty percent yeah thirty percent thirty percent of the 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 money generated from uh, you know uh, sales was supposed to go to Apple but they tried to kind of circumvent that and Apple and Google said absolutely not and removed the game from the store but if your phone had it on it already you can still play the game. So now people are selling. Let me look at the price here that I, that I linked here. You linked people to are, a ten thousand dollar iPhone. No, no. Oh <laughs> people my god. People are selling, and there's like there's Get all real. sorts of listings overseas too for extravagant prices of people selling their phones with the game installed for ten thousand like, dollars. You can buy five laptops and play Fortnite for that amount of money. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Just okay. to say you have it, I guess. It's, I don't, I don't know, know what it is. And I, there's so much me. about this story. I hate, <laughs> I hate, I hate everything that's going on around it. I hate, did we get into this last time? I don't even remember if we I don't talked know. about we, this We talked about time. it on Slack like endlessly, but what, <sighs> what's sort of your take on the whole situation, Matt? It's just, well, I mean, the short of it is that like they purposely broke Apple's terms and conditions. 
they had a commercial and a lawsuit ready to go. Like it, they fired the commercial the day that the app got pulled and then had a lawsuit filed the next morning. So it's not like they weren't fully in on like the, their entire plan here. This wasn't like, oh gosh, Apple, how could you do this to us? We're, we're flailing trying to figure out what to do. They like, they purposely broke terms so that they could file a lawsuit against them. And they had like a marketing campaign ready to go to make themselves look good. This is, they're not the first ones. There's multiple companies trying to go after Apple right now for this thing. It, what I hate the most about it is that it makes me defend Apple. And like, I shouldn't have to defend a $2 trillion <laughs> company. It's stupid. But like the way all this stuff is happening is just dumb. It's just so dumb and it's like childish in a weird way. And it just annoys me to watch one company who PS is like 40% owned by Tencent and like worth $600 billion or whatever is mad at another company that has $2 trillion because they take too big of a cut. And it's like, I can agree on both sides, I guess. I just hate how everyone's going about it. Like to me, Apple, I've said this in the Slack and I'll say it now because I think it's ultimately probably what will happen and what should happen across all these stores is that this fee that they charge should be a sliding scale. It should get bulk rate discounts for companies that are doing, you know, millions of dollars of money for Apple store should not be paying 30% at the end. Of course, that's insane that they would forever take a 30% cut out of that stuff. But the way this stuff gets pitched is that Fortnite will go like, oh, well, what is Apple even, you know, why do they get 30%? What an insane cut. And it's like, well, they're providing the hardware, the store, the SDK, the purchasing system, the credit card processing. They handle returns. They handle, like, they handle customer service on your shit. They handle so much stuff that, like, it's not actually a crazy insane amount. It's just insane for, like, the scale that they're doing it at for some of these places. Like, you know... Yes, I think it's high. No, I don't think it's bonkers high. I think that there's probably some fix to where if you start doing certain volumes, you start getting discounts on what your actual charge. That's the way any place would work. If you're a massive sale inside a Walmart, you're going to start getting bulk discounts for providing them with whatever the hell you're selling so much of. So like to me, it's just like there are calm ways to go about this and get this fixed. I think Apple's playing hardball in a shitty, stupid way, and I think that like companies like Fortnite and there's a few other like tech companies that are going after it are doing it in just such a gross like why like why the, the pre Fortnite yeah like hashtag was good a little lord like little it's just much. like you're you're a multi 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 billion dollar video game with like billions of fans <laughs> and you're acting like big bad apple came in and did something to you and it just it just blows my mind that this is even a a thing that we're dealing with in the year of our lord 2020 <laughs> So, I do so think, you're saying, go ahead, Kate. Oh, no, 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 you go ahead. I was going to say, so you're not going to buy a $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not on board to buy $10,000. I played Fortnite twice. I think I died in like 20 seconds both times. And I was like, <laughs> I don't understand this game. And then just stopped playing entirely. That's the experience. Yeah. I will say some of my, my indie game dev friends are um, hopeful that this will eventually ultimately lead to a change where like you said either there's a sliding scale for smaller developers or mm -hmm. it gets knocked down to 20 or 15 percent um to really level the playing field or just get more get more revenue for smaller developers for whom 30 percent is a really really yeah. big cut of right. of what they make um what i fear will happen is that epic will work out a deal where they get a cut right. but nothing changes for anybody else like Amazon or something like that. There, I mean, there are companies who don't pay 30%. There's yep. other companies who have worked deals uh, to where they're not going to pay, you know, the full charge that, that Apple's doing. So, and I totally agree. My statement of like sliding scale for bulk does also apply to the fact that like there are small developers who probably need breaks over the long term. My, my, I think the issue Apple's going to have with it, if I had to be the, apple's lawyers or some shit but i think the issue they're going to have is that they i would be willing to bet a large portion of their purchases are small purchases like on the scale of a dollar two dollars three dollars and that that 30 percent isn't like yes over over the billions of transactions is a lot of money but it's not actually a lot per transaction i think they're just they just need to be more flexible it just can't you know the days of five years ago were 30 percent across the board 
made sense because all the apps were kind of doing the same thing and they were all charging like 9.99 for this thing or whatever it was it's just it's just not true anymore so now it's like you've got small indie developer games who are you know just trying to make some kind of living off of this and want a game to be long term and supportable so that they can keep doing updates and fixes but it's like you know 30% of every 10 or 15 dollar purchase that's going on in that game is huge for those companies and then you've got companies who are doing sales on a scale that it's like why are they paying 30% forever on something that they know is going to be long-term profitable for both companies, you know? So I, there's gotta be a change. I don't disagree with that at all. I just, I just absolutely hate how this is playing out. It like uh, is <laughs> annoying the living hell out of me that it's like a constant conversation. Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't like Epic weaponizing the children with a oh, hashtag. My God. <laughs> what is, I mean, this is an honest question. If any of us know what does weaponizing the children, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> It's like, all right, guys, go get them. I mean, that's what they're doing. They knew they could turn, Epic knew for sure that they could turn a wave of people against Apple like overnight. They knew they yeah. could do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What What is Steam or like Xbox and stuff charge? Steam is 30. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's like a weird industry standard is the problem. And I think it just needs to, yeah, we need to I, figure out what the what they're providing, what that actual cost is and what it should yeah. be for people developing I stuff. I think Epic but, Game Store was like 20 last night checked i think initially it was 20 but yeah yeah i mean i think that that's the long-term play here right is that they're trying to change the standard for the entire industry and they're one of the few companies that really is in a position to do that especially to compete with steam yeah um but like you said matt the way the way they're going about it is not ideal mm -hmm. i also think it's weird because apple you know a thing that i service that i don't actually subscribe to right now but i talked a bunch about when it came out was their arcade service mm-hmm seem to be very developer friendly we don't know any of the contracts but everybody that made games for that thing seemed pretty happy about whatever deal they got in the back end <laughs> so uh so it's weird to see them be willing to start to shift a paradigm of how they're doing something but not take a look at their already existing charge fee structure and like figure out how that could change so i, I don't know but it's i just hate this like i hate, like an ad they had a freaking ad 15 minutes after the the store app store mm -hmm. got pulled you know i mean they're come ready. on yeah, yeah. That's, that's i just have to point out that i think halfway through that it looked like kate drank from a comically large beer can with a straw sticking out of it i don't know no, if that's it's, what a I water bottle. it's a water bottle oh, it's I a thought... giant water bottle <laughs> it was like a giant it hydrated. Like a giant budweiser it does look like it says oh farts God. on the side though <laughs> Okay, it says Bart's. Oh, Bart's. Thank you. Bart's okay. Books in Santa Barbara, California. It looked like it said Farts. Farts butts? What? <laughs> <laughs> Told you, Kate, this is going to be a serious, a serious <laughs> one today. I warned you. Listen, I know when I hang out with you guys, it's only yeah, serious time always. all the time. We become 12-year-olds. Uh, I think I put this in here mostly for Kate and I, but Deathloop uh, announced that it's got delayed till 2021, likely due to everything going on in the world currently. Yeah. Um, but I know we're both giant uh, fans of the studio, and uh, I was bummed. The game looked interesting. I thought it was going to be cool. It, yeah, be cool. it does. It does look really interesting. Um, I just spoke about it like it's a, a dead and gone it's game. Dead. They killed it. They killed it. It's dead. R.I.P. Deathloop. Yeah. So added to the list of what else? So we got Halo, uh, Vampire got delayed, Bloodlines mm -hmm. Two. So yeah, bummer it's, stuff, it's, but whatever. Yeah. Cyberpunk's rough. coming out. We're all yeah. going to play that for 10, is it 10 coming months. Out? Will it ever come out? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. The thing about Deathloop that, like, I, I'm of two minds about it. Like, obviously, delay the game if it'll make the game better. Uh, but at yeah. the same time, I've seen a couple people banding around the idea that, like, well, delays are good because it's good for the developers because then they don't have to crunch. It, <laughs> what that actually means is that the developers just continue to crunch. Mm -hmm. They've been crunching for a while, and now they will crunch more. Well, I, and, I've been on, yeah, and the, like producers will put more. Not producers. I'm saying this is for web. This is other kinds of projects. I assume it's the same in video games. Uh, there's just more added. Like it's like you get that extra time, and then the six people whose jobs are just to make sure other stuff is going on all of a sudden go like, oh, wait. So we've got three more months. Wait, what if we could just slip this content? In <laughs> Do you there? remember that thing we dropped like uh -huh, a little while ago? Yeah. Like, what if like that? Should, we should buy some time to get it back in, right? We just needed six weeks of polish. It's fine. <laughs> It'll totally work. Oh, so painful. No, it's yeah, it's, true. it is. It is rough. So I agree. Yeah, but you know, hopefully, maybe they're not. 
maybe they're the exception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I hope it comes out, and I hope it's really successful. You yeah. know, I'm a huge fan of Arcane Games. Um, and Deathloop does look very interesting. It looks like a cool departure from their normal stuff. Yeah. Did you did you see the No Clip documentary on the no. early history of the studio? No. Um, check it out if you haven't. Um, they they worked on an earlier project that uses a lot of the ideas that are currently present in Deathloop, and I'm very excited to see how they um, how how they developed that over the last like ten years. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I'll check that out. Love me some documentaries. I think like, you know, from talking to a a bunch of game dev friends, it's been a really interesting time because studios are all trying to figure out how exactly to do what they've been doing for in some, in some places, decades, but doing it at home. It's just a really huge challenge. And, you know, I'm used to working remotely in games, but there's a lot of people that it's very, very hard to do. Um, and, you know, I, I think a, a lot of people are missing a lot of the collaboration that happened in a non-Zoom environment. Just a lot of the walk up to the desk, get an idea mm-hmm. and, and walk away that was happening a lot inside of studios. So I think, you know, I think eventually it's going to speed up again. But right now things are pretty slow in dev. Yeah, yeah, I definitely that is reflected in my experience. There's like getting everyone together in a, a Zoom or Microsoft Teams room or whatever um, you can sort of get close to what you had before, but it's not, it doesn't have the same sort of creative, I don't know, uh, loose energy that getting like six narrative designers in a room and a big whiteboard and saying like, how do we fix the story problem? Yeah. It ju- it's just not as effective. Um, so everything just takes a little bit longer and it requires more iteration and people are working more slowly because they've got family stuff going on or like they don't have AC like yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of problems. I mean, yeah. You know, a lot of the guys I work with, granted the studio I work with is, is small, but all of us have kids. So it's all like, oh, it's like, oh, well, I, can, God, yeah. I can work like three hours in the morning and then like, you know, maybe three hours in the evening. But it's like you can't you can't do a whole like, yeah. you know, eight hour day. It's just not not even really possible. Um, so I think, you know, there's a, a lot of that going on, too. It's like a lot of people just don't have child care right now. It's like you yeah. got to you got to watch your kid. There's only so much you can work with, like a kid smashing through your stuff, you know, so. I've also found, I don't know if, Ash, you might not be seeing this on a smaller team. Kate, you might on a bigger, that my group is going like weirdly tribal. Like it's, <laughs> we're breaking into like smaller groups that tend to interact more together but the larger interactions of like different kind of devs interacting with each other or, you know, uh, product people interacting like across teams that they're not necessarily usually dealing with, which would happen in the office kind of all the time is now like not really happening at all. So there's like, you know, four or five people that might see each other and talk constantly on zoom or over Slack or whatever else, but they're not interacting with like the backend devs that are doing, you know, server work and stuff all the time. So it's, it's weird. I've been watching it happen and, I don't know if it's good or bad yet or if it's really affected much. It's just I'm seeing it happen, and I'm not sure what the, the long-term playout will be. That was totally my experience when I was with Nexon. I pretty much interacted with, like, my my team, the community team, and the marketing team, and everybody else, like, yeah. like the other 100 people, I had zero contact oh, with. Oh, because you were remote with them, too. I yeah, was yeah. remote with them, too. So it was, like, you know, a huge company. But, like, I had, like you said, my little, my little pack of, of folks that – we got along great and, and worked really well together, but like very little contact cause I didn't have to, I didn't have yeah. to have contact with them, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was weird from, from a social perspective. It's like, Oh man, like you're missing out a lot on a lot of that camaraderie that you might've had. Otherwise, like I may have gotten along really well with like QA dude. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely been true of my experience. Um, you know, I communicate more with the people that I would have, that were like part of my strike team we we went from two day a week strike strike team meetings to every day. So the people who were like working on my areas, my area designer, my uh, environment artist, my um, QA person, like I was talking to those people several times a day, all day, probably more than I was before. But everybody else, I talked to a lot less. Yeah. Like you know, there would be times I'd wander into the programming office just to ask them, a, you know, a stupid question like, "Hey, can I do this weird thing?" And they're like, uh, "Do you have to?" <laughs> this will take time and effort um but bless the programming guys they almost always said yes um but yeah those those serendipitous meetings are a lot less frequent now yeah and i I feel like that is a shame or even just like the the sort of general socializing like 
Yeah. We would, there were people that I saw on different projects that I still saw every day and I played D&D with them or we got lunch together or, you know, we went on a coffee walk together at four o'clock that I don't talk to anymore. And, you know, I should probably give them a call, but usually at four o'clock, I'm really tired and don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Weird times. Uh, You guys want to talk about some Thundercats? Oddly enough, I still have my Thundercats toys from when I was uh, like a six-year-old. It's like the last set of toys that I have. And my my son has inherited them and he's fallen in love with the Thundercats. So I recently bought the first season of the original Thundercats on Amazon for like $25. <laughs> like this is like two weeks ago. So we've been watching a lot of Thundercats. Uh, lo and behold, last night I find out that the entire original series landed today, which is the 20th of August, I want to say, yeah. uh, on Hulu. So you can watch all 100 and... 15 i think 115 episodes of the original thundercats uh on hulu now as well as the uh 2011 reboot that only lasted one season uh i have not watched the reboot yet i've heard it's actually pretty good but the original series believe it or not a lot of these old 80s cartoons do not hold up like if you're trying if you want to <laughs> wow. watch oh yeah a lot of the 80s cartoons do not hold. if you want to watch like gummy bears or like he-man you're going to be in a world of pain because those are some <laughs> bad, bad shows. Thundercats holds up very well. It's ridiculous. Oh. It's ridiculous. But the um, the premise of it is so cool and unique. And the, the creature design and the weapon design and the design of uh, Third Earth or World that they all you know fight in constantly is really cool and still really fun to look at. Just all the weird it's just such a weird idea for a show. You have like these cat people then you have these mutants and you have this old 3 million year old mummy that lives on the planet that wants to kill everything. And then like, what you is know, his motivation? Does he have Mamra? actual motivation? Yeah. Well, uh, mad. For one, mad. Yeah, one yeah, is he just mad? <laughs> he is. Well, here's the C. Okay. So here's the deal with the Thundercats. The Thundercats are actually the bad guys in the series because they are colonists and yeah, they are invaded, trying, right? they, yeah they're trying to take over third earth which is not their planet and it's mumra's planet and he is an original inhabitant of third earth <laughs> even though he is the last last of the indigenous <laughs> population <laughs> so mumra is actually the hero of the story this is what i've been teaching my son by the way of course um, it is because your son only <laughs> likes villains. He, every villain in every show is. Have I not? Have, we've your talked son about this is every so episode. Cool. So cool. Thanos. Thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah. He Kylo Ren. Yeah. Darth Vader. I also yeah. love the bad guys. Link and yeah. I are on the same page. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he's super into the bad guys. Uh, so, anyway, check out Thundercats. Even if you don't have a kid, watch a couple episodes of it. It's uh, so weird. It's like yeah. a, like an acid trip from the 80s. The intro sequence alone, though, still has some of the most fantastic animation. Uh, you know, it's all anime style. But I don't know if the entire... I think the entire series was actually drawn overseas and then brought over here. And, yeah. and um, I think it was written I here. They all were, to and, be fair. But yeah, <laughs> I believe Thundercats also was. Yeah, but it's, it's really good. I think it's super fun. And uh, if you haven't watched it since the 80s or maybe you watched it in reruns in the 90s, check it out again. It's all on Hulu. And uh, enjoy it. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to watch it for sure. I I, uh, I loved it growing up. It was the same thing we talked about last week with G.I. Joe and stuff, where I never actually watched uh, like a story arc. Like I had no idea where I was. As a kid, right. I just was watching whatever standalone episode. It was all standalone episodes to me. I was like, this episode lives on its own. It's a beginning, middle, and end, and I'm good with the story. You know, and like that's what all of them were. So it's it'd be interesting to rewatch it from beginning to end. I also that's think good. that Thundercats is one of the few series that wasn't based on a toy. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It Most was, of them later. It's yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I believe it was this, a cartoon though. first. One thing I noticed is a lot of these, wrong. a lot of these '80s cartoons. Some stuff in Thundercats is is weird and problematic, but '80s cartoons in general are just like, holy shit! How yeah. did they ever say that? But um, there's a lot of stuff in Thundercats that was really forward thinking. Like they give Chitara. Um, Chitara is like really the for the first couple seasons is the only female on the the whole show but she saves the day all the time which is really fantastic to see there's a lot of episodes where it's just like everyone gets their ass kicked and then here comes Chitara as like this really powerful awesome female character kind of saving the rest of the the dudes in the show so um, I thought that was great and and Lincoln's a Chitara fan too so Uh, our producer uh, just chimed in to let me know that 
The original Thunder's, Thundercats show was animated in Japan, produced, <laughs> written, and voice acted in the U.S. Is he listening toy, in on this call? <laughs> the toy did come out after. No, the other producer, our, uh, our uh, special producer. for the, Oh, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Melissa. Melissa just texted. Sit in all the time and just tell us what we're getting wrong. Melissa, no, who's yeah. sitting three, I can almost touch her with my hand, uh, texted me to let me know that Thundercats, hi, love you. Uh, <laughs> Thundercats was produced in Japan. Um, yeah, very cool. cool. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I posted this just because I just saw it and I thought it was right up Ash's alley. Uh, and I've been playing a little Magic the Gathering. Where I, well, I was playing a little at work, and then the pandemic happened, so I haven't played since then. But uh, I had been playing a little bit. It's been fun. We were playing a version called Commander, which if anybody's familiar with, is like a newer flavor where you can play with essentially any card in the back history of magic, but with only a few exceptions. Um, but what I thought was cool is they did an artist series run of cards. And if you guys want to click the link, you'll see them, but it's an artist named wizard of barge and it's like super, <gasps> uh, These are like very bones. Cool. Yeah. Uh, bones brigade style kind of punk rock art. Uh, very, very cool looking. Uh, that is cool. Limited edition run of cards. It looks like I the, spell, that the spell wizards of Thunder. Oh, yeah. Uh, it looks just like that art. Wait, hold on. Is the box? That's oh, not visible. It's uh, Battle Wizards of Mount Doom. Spell <laughs> Doom. <laughs> I don't know. The game was great. We need our producer. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to she's gonna go get it real quick. That game was great. One of my favorite, uh, game favorite was great. tabletop experiences. It was super fun. But yeah, I thought you guys would like this. Uh, so I figured this is mostly just, this episode is just me sharing things with you guys. Uh, <laughs> but, but you both, everything's okay. Don't worry. Uh, that was a vacuum. Um, the baby. Again, that child won't wake up. If, if you step on the wrong floorboard walking to bed, she'll wake up screaming. But if you loaded like a truck full of cement into the front door, and like shoveled that into the room and then broke it down with a hammer and then like played Megadeth the entire time, she'd sleep right through it without any issue. Um, but yeah, I thought you guys would think these are, are really cool. So they I thought really I'd cool. share it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the artist is uh, wizard of barge. That's, that's their name on Instagram as well. And the cards are all posted there. If, if everybody listening wants to go check it out, but it's, it is a cool series for magic. That is awesome. They did something neat. Uh, and then the last thing we had was um, they are doing a new uh, live the show experience and it's getting built out in LA. I don't know what part of LA. I didn't read the article. I'll turn off. Um, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a uh, drive-in like 80s mall experience. Oh, downtown LA. Oh, the greatest part of LA, downtown LA, where everybody mm, loves to go. Everyone's favorite section. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like the only city where I feel like, well, no, Tampa, downtown Tampa and downtown LA, two cities that you don't actually need to go to their downtown. Um, LA's but they're launching, so small. yeah, they're launching a, uh, uh, an immersive thing where they're building out Starcourt mall and there's going to be an underground Russian lab and all this stuff. And you can drive into it and kind of experience it. It looks very cool. thought I'd bring it up so that, uh, if people are in LA and they want to go check it out, uh, go check it out because I'm missing me some new Stranger Things. I think it got delayed too, so we're not sure when that's coming back. Yeah, but... yeah. Who knows? Who knows? That's cool. I'm I'm dying to go back to a, a drive-in just to have a different sort of experience. You Man. and Kate, how was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple weeks ago, um, me and my current team went to go see Monty Python and the Holy Grail at a drive-in um, here in Southern California uh, at the like on the baseball field of a church, <laughs> classic <laughs> cool. Southern California location. Um, it was really, really fun. You know, it was like they had the, the screen up on a big inflatable projector thing. Um, there were probably like 150 cars there. So who knows how many people, everyone had snacks and That's cool. drinks and a lot of honking. And it was did a really give, good time. Did you get a little speaker to listen to it or was it just like put your windows down and they were You tune into a radio on. station. Nice. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. that's yeah. Cool. So, so cool. It was a, it was a really good experience. Depending on how COVID goes, we may see more of these popping up. <laughs> I know Walmart was doing a big countrywide 
um, series where they were converting their parking lots into drive-ins uh, all over the country. Not in my area, but um, uh, like I, I want to say in over 50 or 60 different Walmart locations, just giant, you know, giant drive-ins. So, yeah. Cool stuff. Well, let's cool. take a quick uh, snack break, bathroom break, and come back and do some reviews. Cool. cool. Yeah. All right. So we are back, and I played uh, Rogue Legacy 2 from Cellador Games, which uh, came out today in early access on Steam. Um, have you guys played Rogue Legacy? No. No. So Rogue Legacy, uh, I want to say at this point, I'm going to just spitball and say it was five years ago that the original came out. It might have been a little bit less than that. But seven years ago. Seven years ago. So it was a while. And it was um, one of the first sort of more modern side-scrolling uh, roguelike platformers that I had played. It's sort of like, I want to say, almost uh, kicked off. It was like around the same time as like Splunky and mm. a lot of the sort of the early roguelike games. But the, the general premise of the game remains the same. You are a fantasy character that goes through a procedurally generated, uh, randomly generated fantasy platformy world where you're collecting coins and collecting magical items. Um, and then you only have one life. And if you die, you start back at the beginning, which is sort of how all these roguelike works. Uh, but this one's different in that when you die, you respawn as a descendant of the character that you were. So it's all supposed to be one gigantic family tree and every death is supposed to be like a new generation of the character, uh, which is super fun because you, each person, each character has a, sort of a series of traits and uh, different abilities that they have as well as uh, personality quirks. So like, one person will have like nearsightedness and the screen will be kind of blurry. Another person will have like chronic gas and like you'll have like a fart jump attack. Uh, another person will have like vertigo and the screen will actually be flipped through the entire playthrough. <laughs> this poor family. Oh I know. <laughs> another person will, uh, will be unable to see in color. So every the whole the whole game will be black and white while wow. this character is alive. And wow. some and some children spawn with no quirks at all so you'll have like someone that's just like a badass you know and you'll see like how how well does this badass last compared to the person that spawned that can't see and like there's even children that spawn that can't attack so like you'll go into the whole like you know you all you can do is jump <laughs> so you'll like go through the i whole... like that that sounds tight it yeah. is it's super fun so the good thing about a lot of these uh roguelike games is that they're starting to make it so death isn't as punishing so coins and abilities and armor and things that you get do carry over whereas your character dies so it's not like you're starting at zero anymore this i feel like how they used to be uh now it's it's uh you, you do get rewarded for progression you just like start you know you start a little bit more powerful than you were before uh, as you progress in Lo rogue legacy 2 or maybe just like an hour and a half into it um you're also upgrading your castle. So you'll unlock a blacksmith who can improve your armor and your weapons and uh, give you, you know, upgraded abilities and cool things like that. And you're also adding actual physical parts to your castle as you progress and, and uh, accumulate more gold. Um, it's super fun. It's incredibly hard, especially the first like half an hour before you've leveled anything up. Like I made it maybe like three rooms in before nice. <laughs> I was just getting wiped out, you know, um, not unlike you know the beginning of Dead Cells where you have nothing, yeah. you don't have any of the cool stuff unlocked. It it rewards you for sticking with it and getting through the really hard parts and unlocking you know cool new equipment. Um, one of the cool things about this also is it has multiple character classes that can spawn. So there's like a ranger with a bow. There's a wizard who has like different magical attacks. A barbarian with a big honking axe and like some some cool physical attacks. And then like a, a warrior type character with a sword and shield that can block stuff. Uh, I don't know if there's any more. Those are the only ones I've locked so unlocked so far. And they unlock quickly. Like the first hour, you'll get all four of those at least. But um, if you're into roguelike games, like this is early access. I did encounter a few like minor little bugs here and there, but um, again, early access. So those don't really count yet, but it's, it's super fun. I could see this being like a really fantastic go-to switch game. The art style is super fun. It's uh, you know, a little cartoony, a little silly. It's very different than something like dead cells, which is like kind of 
hyper realistic gory yeah uh you know 16 bit ish this is like a little little more adventure timey uh nice. but, it, but it's still fun that's cool so, so yeah definitely if you're into these type of games rogue legacy 2 just dropped it's fun uh check it out awesome uh do you guys know what high score is on netflix i've had no. a number of people tell me to watch it have you uh, yes name uh, them <laughs> Well, I've heard mixed things. I've heard I'm kidding. It's, it's great that they made a documentary about this, but I also heard it's like the McDonald's version of a video game documentary. Yeah, uh, I would say <laughs> it's nice. It's one of those like, uh, well, it's nice that they thought about video games for a documentary series. <laughs> um, I haven't finished it. I just started it. I'm a, I'm a couple episodes in, but it's... it's uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a fluff story history of video games. And I, I think I was looking for a little bit more, and I kind of wanted a little bit of a deeper dive on some of the subjects, especially so it's a six-part. This is the first season. You know, I don't know if they're planning more, but it's uh, six episodes long, and they kind of weave through generational gaming slowly and kind of intentionally, but they weave in interesting stories based around what was going on at the time. So it starts off with Space Invaders and moves into kind of Atari, and then it moves into a group from MIT that was doing like game add-ons, which led to Miss Pac-Man. Like it, it tells this kind of weaving story of video games. I think the unfortunate part of that is that it's sort of slow uh, feeling and somehow not also incredibly intricate about what they're talking about if that makes sense so it feels very surface level like mm. i love documentaries i also read a bunch of like uh historical fiction about this stuff as well and i find it very interesting and i like reading like how doom got made and i like reading what what atari was like and atari was batshit and they like barely touch on it like they kind of get into they like call it like they they have the guy who created atari on and they kind of call it like a hippie company sort of. And then they kind of surface level talk about how crazy it was, but then they never really get any further into it. And then it just kind of moves on and they'll focus on one of the developers there who made ET, which is like an interesting story sort of, but I also feel like it's been done to death and it's not really that interesting at the end of the day. It was that there was like ultimate crunch on a game for one guy to build it and it was made poorly and it's not a good game. Like that's, it's like a terrible game, you know? So whatever, but that's kind of like how every story is approached. It's this level of like the 30,000 foot view and it never really zooms into like, this is what went into making Pac-Man or this is what Pac-Man's about. Like they introduce you to the guy who created Pac-Man and he talks for about 30 seconds about what the theory behind why he made Pac-Man the way he made it. And then it's like zoom right back out and we're somewhere else entirely. And now we're talking about like, uh, you know, how, uh, Atari sued these guys from MIT for making an add-on kit to Missile Command. Like, so it's very weird how they kind of cut through the stories, and you just don't ever feel like you're really getting super engrossed on any of them. Um, what I was sort of hoping for was more of like the Toys That Made Us style, where they focus on something for a single episode, they take you through all of the crazy crap that happened to make that thing happen, and then the next episode will be another standalone episode about something else in video game history. There's, it's not like there's not enough things to talk about over a you know, 30, 40 year history of video games at this point. Right. So, but it's just not, and you can see they're trying to have fun with it. They're trying to like tell it as like a lighthearted tale of video game history, and it just kind of ends up being, um, very surface level t storytelling and, and it kind of bums me out at the end of the day would it be would it appeal to someone like my parents who don't really know too much about games is it because maybe we know a little bit too much already i mean it could like yes i think it's it it, it will tell that it will give them a bit of that nostalgia hit of like the 80s and buying you your first you know atari or whatever it might be and it'll give them that hit of like oh this is what it was like back then like it's definitely nostalgia bait in that sense um but i would also argue that you know toys that made us which is like movies that made us too now and stuff which i don't think is a perfect documentary series either but like 
I think that also does it, but also does like a, an interesting deeper dive on these things that were just part of our childhood. You know, they like they talk about. I don't know if you guys are familiar. This came up, I think, during a lot of the Black Lives Matter stuff. But there's a guy named Jerry Lawson who essentially created the console with the cartridge. He's a black man in the '70s was working and was tapped to make it it's called channel f is the system that he made and it failed like it, atari essentially swallowed it whole and just launched and blew everyone out of the water um and like there's a piece of it where you're like what an interesting story like you could tell probably a full episode about yeah. this guy who created a full console that was like the the first one to do it really and and they it they show his family and they talk about him and it's nice and it's endearing and it's about four minutes of the 60 minute episode and then it's they move on so hmm. it's it's that kind of i think is where people probably are walking away feeling like ah like it's not really it was kind of light you know and it really is it, it's very much sort of a light overview of all the history of gaming but they they introduce all of these characters that you're like what this could be incredible there's a there's a a trans woman that they introduce who was the first uh space invaders champion like won in some state competition so in cool. California and then went to New York and won the whole thing in New York as a 16 year old. And the, all, like, you're like, cool. And then like, that's all I know about this person. Tell, tell <laughs> Never hear from her again. That was all, it was all here we did. <laughs> so, so it's a lot of that. It's a little frustrating. And it's like, there's the part of me that's happy that there's some documentary about all this stuff, but there's also the part of me that knows that like, you know, console wars exists and that, that like they could have done stuff with, with, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but the author of console wars and like, there's already so many deep dives on this stuff that it feels like they could have so easily or not easily, but they could have focused each episode, done six episodes, focus on Atari, do a crazy dive into Atari if you want, you know, and then you can talk about Jerry Lawson and his career building the first system and then Atari swallowing a whole, like you can still do those side characters and talk about these things, but you can at least get like depth on something. And instead it just kind of feels like meh. So I know we don't always talk about stuff that we don't like, and it's not that I hated this series. I'm going to keep watching it and finish it um, because it's not bad. It's not bad in the sense that you're like, what a painful documentary to watch, but it's just, it just feels like it could have been more. Uh, yeah. So if you want a little nostalgia hit and you, you want to, I know that like street fighters coming up, they're going to talk about doom like and and Wolfenstein and all of that stuff. So like they're going to get into some of these other stories, but, like I would almost encourage you if you see something that you're like, Oh, that was interesting to like look into. There's almost definitely an author who spent way too much time deep diving on these stories and writing a book about this thing. And like, I would really recommend like, you know, masters of doom is a really awesome book about the creation of, of doom and Wolfenstein and, and, uh, just how insane Carmack and, and, uh, I'm forgetting both their names right now, but I'm always terrible at names. Whatever. The two guys who did do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who needs their names? Uh, it's a crazy deep dive on them in the book. You know, Console Wars is a great book. Like, there's so many good books out there about yeah. video game history that I would say if something interests you, look it up and read about it because I don't think you'll get as deep of a dive as you could on this show. Yeah. I mean, we, I remember a long time ago we, we reviewed uh, All Your Base Are Belong to Us by yeah. uh, Harold, Harold Goldberg, Goldberg, who does the... New York video games critics circle mm -hmm. uh, his deep dive is like, I read that book in like a day. It was so fascinating because it's yeah. all the, all the stuff you mentioned. It's like from Atari to, you know, the, the modern console wars and all the history yeah. of the individuals that were like, you know, battling to get these games made. And it's just, a, it was super cool. So that check out that book too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so many, there's a ton of books out there to, to read. There's a ton of books out there, guys. If there there's anything books. we can leave yeah. you with, yeah there's a lot of books out there and check them out go um, to your library use your e-library or, or don't go to your library <laughs> go digitally to your library yeah there you go hey, teleport to your library you can get ebooks right now from your library support your library um you can those bad boys are free they're great you should not buy them you should check them out in your library if your library doesn't have it the cool thing about these apps is you can say hey get this book and they go all right sure and then they go get a license for that book and then they email you and they go hey we got that book you wanted to get and you're like oh, what a great system and then you read that book ah libraries huh what a service there's so few institutions like that in america anymore <laughs> <laughs> where it's like can i have something and they're like yeah there like, you yeah, go we'll we already it. got it what a great so idea cool. yeah that's very cool <laughs> 
how long will it be here, guys, before they're all burnt to the oh, ground? Man. Well, they're funded through <laughs> local taxes, so I think they're okay. We'll see. We'll see. Right now, we'll see. Um, <laughs> Hearthstone recently launched a new expansion called the Skolomance Academy. I'm going with Skolomance. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get too much into the mechanics of uh, of Hearthstone, but I will say. <laughs> this what is this game you speak what is of? this game so obviously you know hearthstone is a card game that's been around for a long time by blizzard entertainment this is like the 50th expansion pack mm -hmm. the reason i want to bring this one up in particular is because it's super fun it's uh it, it all takes place in this fictional school and if for anyone who played world of warcraft uh, Skullamance was one of the really cool raid dungeons that you got to that used to be an old school for wizards and witches but then it got haunted and all this bad stuff happened so this expansion is all about wizards and witches so a lot of the cards are based on just like really cool spellcasters and famous you know famous magicians from the world of warcraft series has a very harry potter vibe to it um, the big mechanic that i will mention is it has dual class cards which is super neat, meaning that if you get a like a legendary that's like for a warrior and a paladin, you can use it in both your warrior and paladin decks. So it goes back and forth. And then I think there's like a, a, a few dozen of these multi-class cards, which is the first time they've ever done anything like that. So you'll see, you know, a handful of the, the same cards in, in different decks. Um, a lot of really dynamic different types of cards to cards that are doing things that they've never done before in the game. So it just kind of makes the game really fun and, and different feeling, uh, speeds things up quite a bit. And the artwork is just really beautiful. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but all the Hearthstone cards are all voice acted too. Like every single card has a sound effect or a multitude of sound effects. So it's a fun game to listen to if you're into that kind of thing too. So this is like, I, you know, I've been, I, I, re, I hadn't played in, I don't know, five or six years. And then I, there was a local thing here in town before the virus hit where it was the uh, local, oh no, it was the national collegiate uh, Hearthstone championships. So like the best college players in the, in the nation came and faced off against each other. And I was like, Oh man, this is super fun to watch and I miss Hearthstone and I've been playing like literally every day since. And that was like February. So I play every day. Uh, this expansion is good. Check it out. If you log in now, you get a free legendary card. Ooh. I have a yeah. question. Yeah. Question about Hearthstone. Yeah. Cause I enjoy it. I've played it a bunch, bought a few of the expansions over time. Why uh, is there a technical or a, not even a technical, but is there a, game balancing or like i'm everybody knows everybody knows you guys know that i don't i'm not good at video games in the way that i like hack them or min max video games i just play because i enjoy them i'm not scott Asoski. i don't go out to like perfect every single usage of my video game you know <laughs> uh is there a reason that old expansions don't become cheaper in hearthstone why are they all still 20 dollars? is there like some actual reason or is it just because blizzard loves money which is a perfectly fine answer i just like uh, <laughs> like because I, I picked it back up and i was like oh maybe i'll go buy some of the old expansions because i like playing the solo player stuff like i don't like waiting on people and network connections and stuff i just want to play sometimes so right I was like, oh, maybe I'll go pick up some of the old expansions and just play through them. And then I went to the old ones, and they're like still fifteen or twenty dollars or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, why am I spending the game? If you bought every expansion, would cost like a hundred and fifty bucks at oh, this yeah. point. Oh yeah, if you play oh, all the single yeah. player stuff, I think honestly the reason they haven't discounted is because they don't they don't really need to. I mean, the game makes Ugh. so much money that yeah. they, they don't need to really. Uh, periodically you'll see sales but you have to really kind of just pay attention and log in all the time to see what's on sale and sometimes the sales are great sometimes they'll say like hey here's 50 packs for like 20 bucks which is like more than you know more than half off but yeah there's rarely any discount on old stuff um you know and i think that's a huh. shame a lot of the single player stuff is really fantastic a lot yeah. of the dungeons they came up with and challenges and puzzles and and all this i mean one of them uh one of the most recent ones was so hard that it took me, I don't know, six weeks trying like once a day. I tried to get through it once a day yeah. and it took me six weeks to be on just like the standard difficulty. And I finally beat it and I got a cool card back for my cards, <laughs> a pur purple card back. It was totally worth it. Um, 
that's the thing i play all the time but i'm fucking terrible it's like i realize yeah. i'm terrible at all video games I, I still play overwatch i'm like like bronze eight or whatever fuck <laughs> i'm, I'm not, not that bad i'm not that bad but um but yeah but it, wow I'm, you backed I, off that one real fast I'm, i don't think there's a bronze eight <laughs> i think that's like league of legends or something i don't know but yeah. i don't know what any of this means yeah. but anyway uh hearth hearthstone uh school of Man's academy it's good pick it up <laughs> it's good a- add me add me we'll we'll face off and you can you can beat my bottom add me and i'll play with one of my six-year-old decks because i haven't bought any cards or looked at making a new deck in six years oh man it'll be a bummer because you'll log in and you'll be like none of these cards are usable and you'll just have like, i mean no. i'm sure that's what it is. i logged in yeah. and i like i have been playing because you can play like the first part of like the solo campaigns like you can play you know like they'll give you three battles for free or whatever like mm-hmm. in the solo stuff so i just play through the free stuff and then stop yeah. i'm like completely not hooked into their system at all they're like oh there's that matt guy again he's gonna play all the free stuff and then bail <laughs> it is mechanically a very very good card game yeah it is um well that's it guys i think that's it we we're gonna we were gonna do a question of the week but i'm gonna get more questions and we'll do it next week so you can get well, more questions we'll get more questions yeah i did it late I was a slacker. I think you mean answers. Oh, yeah, answers. We're just going to post more questions. (laughs) I'll post more questions soon. (laughs) See what answers I get for the extra questions. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to episode 357 of the Rated NA podcast. Thanks to Kate for hanging out again. Kate, I think this is like the 20th time you've co-hosted. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's always really fun to come on the show. Yeah, we appreciate it. Where do you want people to find you in social media or do you not? <laughs> sure. Want yeah. I like, yeah. To ask, I like to ask people these days because some people are like, no one talked to me. Ever again. <laughs> Don't come looking for me. It's fine. Um, yeah, folks can come find me on Twitter. I'm just at Kate Dollarhide. Uh, I also have an Instagram, but regrettably, I don't use that often call uh, just at Kate Dollarhide on Instagram. Um, can I plug the piece of content I have coming out soon? Yeah, please. Sweet. Okay. So um, the first Outer Worlds DLC, Peril on Gorgon, comes out September 9th. Nice. Um, that's real soon. I got to be a narrative co-lead on that, so I'm very excited. So exciting. That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you like the Outer Worlds, check it out. It's, it's, a, it's a really fun, spooky DLC. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I can't wait. I cannot wait to play it and, and message you and be like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's so exciting. Matt, you want to plug anything? Um, Scott's <laughs> going to hate this. This is this is if you just count all episodes that have ever been created of Rated NA, this is actually 399. Whoa. Whoa. I'm going to plug that, that we're one away from 400. That's nuts. That's amazing. You guys have been doing this for so long. A lot of people would ask why. (laughs) (laughs) To to which we do not have an answer. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't. I don't have anything else. Go buy. Go buy Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards, both first and second version of the game. They're very good. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Have nothing to do with it, but it's a great game. It's fun. Cool. Uh, You can find. How about you, Ash? Do you have anything to plug? Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to be on a PAX panel next week. Are you? Which uh, one? It's just the orientation panel. Uh-huh. Uh, I know. How to survive PAX when there's no PAX. <laughs> when there's no PAX. What am I going to talk about? I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, other than that, there's really not much going on. Working on some stuff for Nerd Appropriate. Thinking about what to do for the 10-year anniversary, which is like the first week of October, I think. So I was oh joking God. with I was joking with Christina. I was like, Christina, you need to throw me a party for the tenth year anniversary. She's like, what about I'm not, me and Scott. I, I know. She's like, you want me to like Zoom or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't have to Zoom. Like, I just like maybe make me a cupcake. I don't know, something. Um, I'll send so that, you another box of Little Debbies if you. Oh want. man, there's still a couple of the uh, the oatmeal cream pies. Here, here's a little tip to everybody. <laughs> The thing I discovered at the beginning of the pandemic, Little Debbie's has a website with a store on it and you can buy a box that has like one of every one of the desserts they have, a t-shirt and a hat, no, a bag, stickers, stickers, stickers and a, and a, and a, and a bag, little yeah. tote bag. And the shirt is amazing. The shirt says every one of their desserts on it. And yeah. when you have a big belly, it looks great. Uh, but, uh, 
Yeah, that's my tip. Go. So those are my. Yeah. That's what I want to promote. Go buy that game that I said that I can't repeat the title of, and then go buy yourself a, a giant box of Little Debbies. I got yeah. it for Ash for his birthday, and it's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So when I opened it, I filled the tote bag with all the snacks. <laughs> um, I took off my shirt, and then I <laughs> put the tote bag on over my shoulder and skipped around the house. Oh <laughs> my god. With a bag full of little Debbies, <laughs> just slowly eating them, chocolate all over. So you're was, having an incredible day. Yeah, it was the best day ever. It was actually one of the best birthday presents I've ever gotten, uh, because just the I was gift, very proud of it. I was gift, like very, very proud of it. The gift of just like endless sugar for like two weeks is like nutty bars and like oh, oatmeal bars. cream buys and like oh my god, it was so disgusting. It was wonderful though. So, oh wait, I have one more thing to promote. Can I promote the last thing? Yeah, yeah. I, Ash knows about this and Scott knows. I don't think anybody else says. If you were one of the, I'm going to say millions of people that played Duck or Horse back in the day when I made a very dumb website called Duck or Horse, uh, which you can find at duckor.horse, um, <laughs> uh, where you clicked and either got a duck or a horse, uh, uh, there's a new version of the game that I'm actually fully working on, and it's a card fight game. <laughs> All based around the theory of whether it's better to be one duck-sized horse or or 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. And there's going to be a, there's so many modes I've already started to figure out with this thing. It's there's a Mortal Kombat style, uh, you know, uh, tower. This is your frog fractions. This thing is the stupidest thing I've ever worked on in my life, and I love it to death, and I will keep working on it. And I'm so trying to make Ash do artwork for it. So I'll do it. I'm ready to draw ducks and horses. Yeah. There's I a narrative. You guys oh. have no idea what you're tiptoeing into. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm fully. I'm there. It's real. Ash is laughing like it's not real. It's very real. There is code <laughs> committed. I can run test runs of the game right now. I just don't have a UI. Got to build a stupid Man. UI. Who wants to do UI? UI is the worst. UI programming. Watch this. Is. Like this be like the thing that ends up making you a million dollars. If this is the thing. All these I'll give half of it away. If, if I make a million dollars of this, I will donate 500000 immediately. There you go. All these brands are going to be like begging, like, can you please include our <laughs> Nike? Doritos Duck. We need a Doritos Duck. <laughs> please. Goodyear tires are going to be like, come on, we want the Goodyear, the Goodyear horse, please. So we'll give you $200,000. It's the stupidest thing <laughs> in the world. I don't know why Goodyear tires was like, an old New Yorker guy. Hey, we want to put that, that made yeah. sense. There you go. <laughs> no, that tracks. No, that was good. That was good. Okay. All right. Well, All right. Uh, that went off the rails at the end. But uh, episode 357, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with an all new episode. Thank you. Spirits of evil transform this decayed form into Mumra, <laughs> the ever living. <laughs> oh my God, that's so good. That is yeah, good. My, my kid's into it. That's going to be my ringtone.